Why, good morning. As I said before, I'm going to talk about righteousness. I'm going to explore righteousness and some of the songs we're seeing today you know, referred to the Lord Jesus, you know, like there's no one, you know, like you. Little passages or little verses or phrases there about, you know, he's, he's a path, you know, he, he lays things out in front of us. So we're going to explore righteousness. And so the title of this message, you know, Exploring Righteousness. And I've got these three words there, faith, rule and deliverance, you know. So we, when we think of righteousness, you know, if I was to ask the children again, you know, what, what they thought something meant, um, you know, what do you think righteousness means? Hmm? Could mean a lot of things. You can just throw words at me if you like. Hmm? Yeah. Now it's... Obviously, it means, you know, dealing with sin. You know, like if you were to look up a, a, a definition of it, it talks about, you know, being morally right or justified or justifiable, if something is, is righteous. Um, and so righteousness has to do with the way of life um, that, are, that is morally correct um, at that one sort of basic you know, definition of the word. But there seems to be more, more to it than, than just merely that. Um, even though to use the word merely next to righteousness seems out of place because um, after all, for us to be included in the household of God, well, we need to be deemed as righteous. Um, I, without righteousness, there is no salvation. Um, and we know from the scriptures that nothing that we do in ourselves, all our best efforts will never ever ever make us righteous but rather what makes us righteous is our faith in Christ and because we have that faith in Christ that produces things in our lives which leads to good outcomes and and so we could say that you know out of this faith you know, comes a way of, of sinlessness, if you like. But none of us are sinless. Um, but the Lord Jesus Christ is and was sinless. Um, and so that brings us back to faith, you know, the fact that we have a saviour who is and who is man who lived a sinless life. And that makes his sacrifice, you know, the lamb that was spotless without blemish, that makes his sacrifice sufficient to, pay, to appease for sin, to pay for sin. Jesus is our, our lamb. He's our saviour. Um, now out of this comes, you know, some truths. Because to have faith, well, you have to faith is a word that is associated with belief. It's like, you know, you could, they're interchangeable in many ways. You know, if I say, you know, I have faith that this will happen, I could also say I believe that this will happen. Faith and belief are parallel concepts. And, but if we're going to believe something, 
well then something needs to be there to believe. And if something is to be believed, therefore it must be, you know what, should it be true for a lie for it to be righteous? Obviously, you know, for, for something, if we're going to have faith in something and it's going to produce righteousness, then we need to be believing in a truth and not a lie. And, and these things lead into, you know, our behaviour. Because as I've said, and, and we all know that it's true, you know, we, we do things because we believe things. As I've said many times, you know, we will all probably get up and walk to the car with keys in our hand. And the reason why we do that is because we believe the car will start. Uh, if we didn't believe the car would start, if we already knew something, some other truth, like the battery was flat or something, well then we would make a phone call, you know, to fix the problem with the car. <coughs> and the reason why we make a phone call is because we believe something. This is just a universal truth. The reason why we do things is because we believe things. It's the same as the reason why we don't do things. It's because we believe things. And some are good, and some are bad. Some produce good results, some produce negative results. But it all comes back to what we believe. And the Lord Jesus Christ wants to come into what we believe and change it. And so these truths, they govern our behaviour. And so... And remember, we're talking about righteousness here. I'm going to have a little look through some scriptures and hopefully I can not get too bogged down because there's so many scriptures. You would not believe how hard it is to try and reduce the amount of scriptures that one might point to. There's hundreds, thousands. Well, probably maybe not thousands, but there's hundreds, you know, of scriptures that we could use. But what we want to understand for us is we want to come to a place where of understanding about righteousness that is deeper than, than just that base meaning of being morally right or justified, even though that is, that is the reason for it all. You know, it's been said, and it is correct, that because of what Jesus has done and our faith in him, and the righteousness that he gives to us, then, then in him we have come to this place of, of being in right standing, where we can stand in his presence, morally justified. When Father God looks at us, he sees Jesus, he sees the sacrifice of Christ, and he sees that we've been made like him, regenerated. Jesus says that you, when, we, when you become a Christian, when faith is in your heart, you get born again, you get born from on high. A new creation in Christ Jesus. This is a wonderful miracle. And it's, it, in the spiritual realm, it's real. And it's not something that only occurs. It's not something like some future thing. But right now, faith in your heart, it's, there's, you are someone who is spiritually alive. Regenerated spiritually. Sin caused separation and death. Faith in Christ. Jesus, the author of life alive. And that's not something that we have to push off into the distance. No, that's for us now. But brings us back to righteousness. Our experience of righteousness 
is very much dependent. Our experience here of the Christian walk is very, very much dependent upon what we believe. On our faith. What we believe establishes governing behaviours in our, in our lives. And those governing behaviours in our lives lead us to a place. And so I wanted to basically preach most of what I've got to say today on this first slide so that I can skip through the scriptures very quickly um, because I have a tendency I can get bogged down in the scriptures because they're so exciting. Um, the, the scriptures are beautiful. The Lord Jesus Christ wants good outcome for our lives. In the communion service, we're talking about, you know, delayed gratification. Um, there's been many studies in terms of, you know, family, finances. You know, for, for success in life, the ability to, to understand and to delay gratification is, is essential to achieve success in so many fields. Your kids, you're going off to school. You know, some, some days at school or some days learning stuff is not so much fun. But you push through because something's on the other side. You know, some of us will feel like as if, oh, we should go to university. And you push through and do the hard work because something's on the other side. It's the same in, in sport. You have many, many days which are not fun. But you push through because something's on the other side. And, and so you delay things for the sake of getting somewhere, somewhere better later. You know, saving money. Same thing. You don't spend it now because you put it in the bank and then you keep putting it in the bank. And then after 20 years of doing that and compounding interest, you get a whole, whole bunch of money in the bank. And if you don't do it, you don't experience the stuff that's later. So this is just a universal truth. But spiritually, the Lord Jesus Christ did that for us. And in many ways, he's called us to live like he lives. He is our example. There's lots of things we do in life where we ought to put in the hard yards now, hold on. And how do you hold on? Well, you hold on because you believe something. And that belief, and if you believe it and you hold on to it, it produces a behaviour. And that behaviour is basically like, like having some precepts, some understanding, some governing principles in your life. It's like rules, but it's not. Because rules get imposed upon you, which is what the law did. But the way that the Lord Jesus wants and the way that righteousness works is that inside of righteousness is something quite special where you believe something that affects your behaviour and it produces outcomes, good outcomes in our lives. And of course, the devil wants to, he wants us to get us to believe something else and therefore do something else. And if we believe something that's not true and we do something that doesn't lead to good places, then we know what the outcome will be. We, we very often, Almost every time when we get to that bad place, 
we're not actually that surprised. Because if you're on a road that leads to a bad place, well, it takes you to a bad place. The thing about delayed gratification is that sometimes it takes a long time to feel gratified. Depending on what it is that you're working towards. But if you don't delay it, well then you can do things that make you feel gratified quite quickly. And yeah, you might feel gratified in that moment, but it doesn't lead to that good place. And that presents a problem. Now I'm halfway into my time, more or less, and we haven't barely started, but we have. First of all, let's, who is righteous? Let's read this thing in John. This is Jesus speaking. John 14, verses 1 to 6. It says here, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that? Oh, if it were not so, I would have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself and where I am, you may be also. Mm. And that you may know where I am going. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Like Thomas was thinking very, very physically, you know, like he need to pack his bags and go on a journey, you know, on earth and in time. Jesus was speaking spiritually, of course. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you had known me, you would have known also my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is what the Lord Jesus is saying to us. He has established something where we do know the Father. We see Jesus, we have faith in Jesus, and we have faith in God. Jesus is the exact representation of God. And the thing about this is that this, these few verses came immediately before. You know, the very next thing Jesus does is promise the giving of the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ in us, that makes, us, makes it possible for us to receive, to make it possible for us to follow, to understand and to live a life. Without the Holy Spirit, we just cannot do it. We, we need his help. And so, you know, we said here before, you know, who is righteousness? Well, obviously, you know, if, if righteousness had a name, it's Jesus. You know, Jesus is wisdom. Who do we believe in? Who makes us righteous? Well, it's Jesus. You know, that's the only way we can be righteous is in Christ. We think, well, what is righteousness? We, we talked a little bit about that. But let's just examine quickly just some of them, some of them more, you know. Jesus said here, he says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So this has to do, you know, we've, we can see that there's, there's more and that righteousness actually has to do with other things being added to us. And Jesus right there was talking about practical things, you know, what you need, where you will, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to live type things. And so righteousness and seeking after righteousness has results in our life, practical results. 
what we eat, how we eat, what we wear, you know, where we live, how we live. Seeking after these things. And we know quite plainly that seeking is possible. It's something we should seek because Jesus says so. Here's another passage here. This is when Jesus was baptised. Matthew 3.15 But Jesus answered him, he answered John the Baptist, he said, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfil all righteousness. And then John consented and, and Jesus was baptised. And so, you'll notice something there. Jesus used the word us. There is something about righteousness that is not individual, but, but it's, he's talking about the ministry, about God's entire plan. John the Baptist understood something that Jesus said. Is it's, it's we need to do this, and we need to do it together. And it's not something that Jesus is going to do by himself. And there's a whole many other concepts wrapped up in this. But I just want to bring this one thing out, that there's, there's, there is a component of righteousness that is, that is not individual. Very often we think of righteousness as only my own standing. How clean am I before God? I can come before God with confidence and boldness because Jesus has made me clean. And that is true, but there's something else about righteousness which is just more than you. Something about God's plan. Something about the way that God wants history to work out. Here, and it's something that is meant to be fulfilled. Something that God has planned in advance for all righteousness to be fulfilled. So, clearly, the Lord has something bigger in mind when he's talking about righteousness. And then think of this one here. It says, Genesis 18, verse 19. This is when, talking about Abraham. It says, For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abram what he has promised him. So much in that one verse. Can you see that the reason? This is actually pretty big. The reason why, and this is God speaking, the reason why God chose Abraham was because he would be one that would command his children and his household to, to keep the way and by doing righteousness and justice. So this is obviously very important to God. And so we're not only talking about righteousness being you standing clean before the Lord, but we're talking about it overlapping into the way you live your life and a plan that God intends to be fulfilled because Jesus was talking about all righteousness being fulfilled and it has been because Jesus was baptised, Jesus was crucified, he fulfilled all of the prophets. But this is a way of life. Righteousness is more than just getting washed clean, even though that's very important. It's absolutely important. But it produces a way of life. It produces a culture. And I'm preaching. I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to Mount Morgan. I'm preaching to all of us. Continue. What, what is righteousness? Here in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, 
You need someone to teach you again the basic principles and oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since, since he is a child, but, but solid food is for the mature. And it goes on. You know, the, the NIV, I think, says anyone who is, lives on milk is unacquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Um, a literal translation uses this word unskilled. Now, what this means, and all I want to pull out of this today, is that, is that in righteousness is, there, is something to be learned. It's something that we can mature in. It's, yes, our faith in Christ gives to us something that we haven't earned, which is our salvation. Our righteousness is credited to us because of our faith in Christ. But righteousness puts us into a place where we're on a journey, and we'll discover this more and more. The Lord Jesus Christ has put us into something, into his righteousness, where we're meant to learn something, we're meant to seek something, we're meant to mature in something, and it's something that we can be led in. And it has an ongoing nature. The, the verse 14 in that passage says, but false solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And you see right there, in walking with the Lord, there's this, this ongoing process of learning and of training, of, of being able to discern. And this is not something that just happens. This is something that righteousness produces as we mature. And just as you will go to university or you go to you know, open your books and start to learn something, go through the process and it requires the going through the process and the testing and then the advancement to actually do the learning, to do the maturing. Without the process, you remain unskilled. You remain a child in terms of righteousness. It's a little bit scary to think that you know, you can be a Christian and remain a child. Remain a little baby, never grow up. But this is clearly what the scriptures show us. It is possible for us to be Christians and live our entire life, grow up, become an adult, and, you know, live a full life and yet remain a child in terms of righteousness. We need the Lord's grace. The psalm here, the Psalm 5.8 says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make straight your way. Obviously, you know, it's something we need to be led in, something we need to have a heart to seek to be led in. Another psalm, Psalm 31, verse 1, Psalm of David. says, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never, let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. You read through, if you were to go and get your, your Bible app and search your righteousness, you, you'll, you'll see, I forget the number, it's about 29, I think, of, in this particular version, um, that, the, that phrase, your righteousness. It comes up about that many times. And it's quite common for it to come up where it refers to deliverance you know that we're actually delivered by righteousness 
it's very common for it to come up to concepts of being put on a, a level path or a straight path or a smooth path. Um, Psalm 36, 6. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like a great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. Again, it's talking about God's righteousness, about Jesus. And it saves us. Not only man, but also beast. The Lord, the Lord saves his creation even. Psalm 71, 2. In your righteousness deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Again, in God's righteousness, there's, there's the Lord listening to us. There's deliverance. There's rescue the Lord does for us. He saves us. Where, where is this found? Well, it's in, in his righteousness. And Jesus is our righteousness. And the point, you know, that we need to clearly understand is that the place of deliverance, the place of being rescued, the place of the Lord inclining his ear to us, the place of the Lord saving us is where? And it's with whose righteousness? Well, it's, it's the capital Y righteousness. It's your righteousness, O Lord, not our righteousness. We go into Isaiah, Isaiah 57, verse 12 and 13. It says, I will declare your righteousness. This is not a capital Y righteousness. I will declare your righteousness and your deeds, but they will not profit you. Then you will cry out, let your idols, let your collection of idols deliver you. The wind will carry them off. A breath will take them away. But he who takes refuge in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. And here there's this great contrast. All those scriptures before, and there would be many others, there is many others, concerning the Lord's righteousness. This is referring to our righteousness. This was written to the, the children of Israel regarding the futility of their idolatry and how they would cling to something. And it says there that they will not profit you. And we ourselves, you know, we, we need to look at our own lives. And human beings have this tendency, human beings in the world but also in the church, it's, it's because we're human, because we have the sinful nature, is we will try to build our own righteousness. We'll try to find something that satisfies ourselves and it doesn't work it gets blown away and they don't deliver us and so we you know it's worth our, us spending our time looking at ourselves testing our faith and going what am I clinging to which if I used another word you know what am I bowing down to what am I believing in? All concepts to do with idolatry. What is it, you know, that, that I'm trying to achieve that is actually me clinging to my own righteousness, my own way, my own thinking? And, and the thing that makes this tricky is, it, is because righteousness very much is to, it speaks into, into culture, into what we believe and into our behaviour, a lot of that is not something that we deliberately chose. It's something that we just become because we were born in a household, grew up in a, in a family culture, live in, in a 
you know, a, a cultural context in our nation, went to a school, lived in a town, and so the cultures, those things just, we don't really realise that we can cling to things and believe things that produce a different result. So it's, it's certainly beneficial. Isaiah 58 verse 8 and 10, 8 to 10 talks some more. It says, this one's got more hope in it. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer you and you shall cry and he will say, here I am. It says, if you take away the yoke from your midst and point the finger, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. These are wonderful promises. But again, we're talking about the little, not the capital Y. This is your right. But this is the type of righteousness that, that the prophet Isaiah was speaking that these people could have. So this brings up this concept that you can actually own something. The Lord gives us something that becomes ours. It becomes your righteousness. We're still going through some more. Isaiah 62 verse 2. The nations shall see your righteousness and the kings your glory and you shall be called by a new name that, mouth, that the mouth of the Lord will give. So these are wonderful promises but yet again, it, it becomes your righteousness. But where does this righteousness come from? It comes from the ways of God, from the truths of God, from faith in God, and not the other. And that previous verse overlapped and talked about how you live your life, what you do for the afflicted, what you do for the poor. And Jesus points to this. This particular verse in, chapter, in Isaiah 62, it's actually quite exciting because... This whole idea that you shall be called by a new name, you know, speaks straight into this passage in Revelation 2 where, you know, for the one who overcomes. This is verse 17 of Revelation chapter 2. It says a new name written on a stone. Who gives us that new name? Well, it's the Lord. And this is, applies to all, to all Christians. And it's something that is applicable for us now. And it goes on. And I'm half an hour in. I'll try and go more quickly. Matthew 5, Jesus is speaking. Again, this is a little why righteousness. He's talking to people. He says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom. And so, righteousness also it has to lot, a lot to do with the way you live the, your life, a lot to do with what you believe, a lot to do with your culture. Oh yes, it's... Of course it means you're being clean, you've been made righteous by faith in Christ, but that produces something in you. And Jesus here says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes. So it's not only what you do. These guys did things very, very well in terms of Levitical law. You know, very well. But that didn't produce righteousness. Their faith was in something else. Another place... Matthew 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, Beware of practising your righteousness before other people in order to be seen from them, for you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. 
He says, thus, when you give to the poor. So again, he's talking about the same concepts. He says, practicing your righteousness. Your righteousness has everything to do with the way you live your life and what you do. But here, the warning is, ah, but what's your motive? Why are you doing it? Are you practicing your righteousness to be seen by others? We talked about this last week. Well, no. No, the true motive is important and the Lord sees our heart. So righteousness is about our heart, it's about our culture, it's about the way we live our lives and it's the cleanness that we have from the Lord you know, that, that produces something that we can practice which is righteous. Let's read this one. talking about the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 7 to 11. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, that Helper is the Holy Spirit, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And this brings me to the point, and I, I will finish. There, that little section, that verse that I've highlighted, it would be about verse 10, it says, Concerning righteousness... Because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. You remember that when, you know, Jesus was baptised, he said to John, it is fitting for us to do this to fulfil all righteousness. God had a plan, something that needed to be fulfilled. And we are the beneficiaries of that. Jesus Christ indeed was baptised and we too are baptised into Christ Jesus. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. Jesus was crucified and raised again, you know, which is that picture in the baptism. When we are baptised, we go into the grave with Christ and then we come up out of the water, a new creation, risen with Christ, a new creation. It's, it's a beautiful thing, a declaration. You know, this is something that the Lord always had in mind. And in that case, Jesus said, let us do this. It was something that he always had a plan to do with, with people, using people. And now we have Jesus sending the Holy Spirit. Now you'll note that at that baptism experience with Christ is that you have two people where the Holy Spirit was present. We know from the scriptures that John the Baptist was filled from the womb with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember, you know, in the story of when you know, John the Baptist was, was conceived and then, you know, Mary came to, to visit and, the, the, you know, the babe leapt in the womb. You know, he's filled from the Holy Spirit, you know, even before they were born. This was God's plan. And here in this, this story there where we read about Jesus' baptism, Jesus was baptised and what happens? Out of heaven comes the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. It's all... 
And now Jesus is saying, it's good that I go, because Jesus is our leader. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus says, oh, it's really good that I go up to heaven, because unless I go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. And the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit is we all have him, the Spirit of Christ, upon all of us. And, you know, I'm sure there's many thoughts you could tie to this, but concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. We have just been looking at righteousness and we've only just started to glimpse at it. Such a deep and beautiful subject. But here it says that the Holy Spirit will convict Convict concerning righteousness. Concerning righteousness doesn't only mean, like that first section, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Of course the Holy Spirit convicts regarding sin. It makes you feel, you know, that feeling of conviction. You know, it was like, oh, I need to fix this. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. But he also convicts regarding righteousness. Righteousness very much here flows into the way that we live our lives. And guess what? We have a role. This is meant to be an encouragement, and it is an encouragement. We all have a role in fulfilling righteousness, establishing righteous culture, doing what is good, producing behaviours, beliefs and values in our own families, in our own congregations, in our town, it has a wonderful outcome, a good outcome, which is what righteousness produces. It puts us on a level path. It protects us, puts us in a place of deliverance. This is a massive subject, but I've only just scratching the surface. But concerning righteousness, Jesus went to the Father, and we will, you will see me no longer. That, that's in a physical sense. But the Holy Spirit come, and now we have him with us always. Jesus said, surely I will not leave you until the very end. It's a promise we have. Jesus is with us. How is he with us? By his spirit. I won't read this entire psalm, but it's a wonderful psalm. Psalm 143. And many of us can get hung up there in that second verse. You know, David's crying out, Lord, please give ear. Hear my plea for mercy. Answer me. David makes this, this plea. He says, Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. No one living is righteous. David knew this. And we all know this. We in ourselves are not righteous before not in our own strength, not in ourselves. And the Lord is merciful. He makes this plea, Lord, remember. Lord, remember your servant. No one, no one is living. No one living is righteous. And this is what Jesus does. We know in the scriptures that Jesus is seated in the heavenly realm and he makes intercession, intercession for us. Jesus understands what it's like to be a human being and to struggle with feelings and disappointment and betrayal and pain and and so he makes intercession with us and he's there for us to help us overcome. He knows that no one is righteous in our own strength and this is why he always, he has done what he's done. And then you read later in the psalm, it says, deliver me from my enemies, O Lord, 
I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Can you see right there? This is a prayer. Let your good who is that is the Holy Spirit. Let your good Holy Spirit lead me on level ground. It says, For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life in your righteousness. Bring my soul out of trouble. We are dependent upon the righteousness of the Lord. This righteousness has to do with rule. You know, the rule of Christ in our, in our lives. A few verses back, you know, in the, one of those Isaiah passages, it referred to that concept of yoke. You know, this idea of being yoked to something. What did Jesus say? He says, take up my yoke, wear my yoke. It's easy, being yoked with Christ. And this has to do with the way that we live our lives, what we believe, and it produces an outcome. come back to this point and this is the point of, min- of ministry very very often we exclude ourselves because we feel like as if we made too many mistakes like our you know the trains departed we've, we've missed it but that is not true and David understood this Jesus understands this it says there, verse 2, Psalm 143, David's praying, Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. No one. In the New Testament it says, no one is righteous, not even one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we have a saviour, and we have his righteousness. Now faith in him indeed does make us clean, But it can put it, and it's meant to put us into a way, in under a rule, the way that we live our lives, not not only because we're following rules, but because we understand something. Let us not disqualify ourselves. Let us understand. Let us pray. Father, I ask you for mercy. I thank you that you did hear David's prayer. And you delivered him. Lord, in that other psalm, Lord, where he cried out to you, Lord, his cry was, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Lord, you did that too. Lord, you forgive and have forgiven. And Lord, each of us knows that we in ourselves, Lord, are sinners without hope. But Lord Jesus, your righteousness, your life, who you are, you are our saviour. So Lord, would you lead us in your righteousness? And would you give to us that smooth path ahead of us? And Lord, would you give to us that grace so that Lord, even though we may have to go through something difficult and put on tenacity and put on diligence and put on determination and put on perseverance for a while, Lord, that we would indeed receive the benefit, the outcome of righteousness. And Lord, would you put hope in our hearts? And so there is a grace here. And Father, we receive from you that grace, Lord, to believe 
that if we don't give up, if we push through, then indeed it will put us in a good place. Not only in future, in, in that spiritual sense of after we die, but here on earth in time, for our own lives, for our own circumstances, for our own families. Lord, give to us grace. And Lord, here for Mount Morgan, Lord, do not give up to press in, to press on, to walk in righteousness. Lord, it will bring us to a good place. Lord, you prophesied, and it was said there in Isaiah, Lord, that nations would see something. Lord, may they see our righteousness. And for it to be our righteousness and for it to be any good, it must be you. It must be you. Holy Spirit, come and fill us more. Help us, lead us, guide us. Lord, as the scriptures instruct and as the scriptures say. Father, I ask you for this grace. If any of you want a prayer, then put your hand up and we will pray. I will pray. Um, because very often, you know, it's, it's helpful to, to share something that's a struggle that you need to push through for a season so that you can establish a way of righteousness.